0: This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community
1: Conversations with host, Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anin, hello, I'm Leah Lem, miigwech, and thank you for joining me for today's conversation. Exploring how Indian Country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Today on the show, we'll hear how language education is thriving, and we'll hear from the White Earth Powwow that was held in early March. The White Earth Nation held an indoor powwow with precautions, safety, and of course, celebration of togetherness and culture and healing. We'll hear from Dana Goodwin, who's on the powwow committee. She talks about what it took to hold a powwow during a pandemic. And the Bedote Learning Center is educating through an Indigenous lens. Barry Hand is a teacher at the Bedote Learning Center, and we'll talk about how he's adapted his work with students. But first, Governor Walls held a mid-March press briefing. He recalls talking to us as Minnesotans a year ago now at the State of the State Address how we were going into the unknown with the new virus we knew little about.
0: The things that you have done and the things that we have followed following science guidance, listening to our healthcare professionals,
2: and asking Minnesotans to do what I, I knew on that night last year when I said
0: we were a people of, of deep resiliency and grit and we understood what winners look like. Um, this pandemic has, uh,
2: has changed us. But there's so many ways it's changed us for the positive too it makes us understand how precious our time with family is how precious community is and for one thing it lets us know that our actions impact those around us greatly
1: he goes on to talk about how progress can be painful and that things are looking brighter and i want to highlight a couple bright spots today so before i chat with barry hand from the bedote learning center Let's hear from our first guest, who was part of the White Earth Pow Wow in early March.
2: Better travel time! Midnight Express to our
1: <laughs> So, I watched some of the Facebook Live video for the powwow. Drums, singers, dancers, it looks and sounds very familiar but the keen eye will notice that every person is wearing a mask. But there's also more than what meets the eye. Dana Goodwin is on the powwow Committee, and she talks about what it takes to plan a safe powwow in a pandemic.
0: Our, our chairman, Michael Fairbanks, is very much a man of the powwow trail. He and his family, and my family is too, so he had wanted to have Something where we could heal, and you know we're coming through this pandemic, um, having lost some of our precious people. You know the the theme is "meno das so it's let's all live that good life. You know, let's let's continue. Um, there's light at the end, and uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and, and we. You know, we'll take care of each other and do this together in a good
1: way. Holding a powwow in a good way took quite a bit of planning. But first, the timing had to be right. With vaccines being rolled out and illness rates low in Monoman County, the situation seemed relatively safe to hold the indoor powwow with plenty of safety precautions.
0: For a while now, for a few weeks, I believe we've been leading the state of Minnesota with the highest percentage of vaccinated People and our numbers being low for a while, they decided to go ahead and have this event, but to plan it very, very carefully.
1: First, they aimed to keep numbers in attendance at 500 or fewer people at the Shooting Star Event Center, and they encouraged anyone not feeling well to stay home. The powwow was live streamed, so those not able to make it could still be connected to it.
0: Our health division has a physician that is a member of our community and um, also very much loves powwow and our language and everything. And so, you know, worked closely with Dr. Carson Gardner's uh, guidelines and um, ensured that we did everything safely. We put out messages to our community then and for this past weekend regarding uh, the expectations of people that attended to wear the masks and to hand wash, and use our hand sanitizer, which we had all over the place, (laughs) and to social distance. But everyone was very respectful. You know, I was amazed at how many dancers danced the whole weekend with masks on.
1: The entrances were limited in order to screen all attendees, and many were encouraged to get a COVID test beforehand.
0: The whole committee um, and volunteers and singers, vendors... We're all asked to get tested for COVID beforehand. So I know our White Earth Health Tribal Health Division offered where you can drive up and you get the rapid test. They offered that for all of
1: us. There was a total of 18 drums, 295 registered dancers, including Tiny Tots, and the vendors at the powwow were kept relatively local. Safety was a priority in healing the goal.
0: People were appreciative of the healing. You know, we did. We had some healing songs for our community and for people um, that we had lost. You know, we had three of our powwow emcees that, you know, like I talked about losing precious people, but these people that were our orators that we lost, that, you know, worked our powwows a year ago or less, you know, They're gone now. And so we honored them and we'll be honoring
1: them. Dana is also a dancer and felt the healing for herself.
0: As a dancer myself, that heartbeat and the singing was healing. It's like when you are away from a, a friend, a family friend, somebody you love for a long time and you don't get to hear them or be with them. That's what it felt like to me. It's, it's part of you. And to have that back was incredible.
1: With all the proactive health measures in place, it took following the guidelines to help ensure everyone's safety.
0: I think people were respectful of the situation that we're all in and uh, took it upon themselves to, you know, to make that decision. We have to trust in Creator and, and things happen for a reason and the way they're supposed to even though sometimes we don't understand. I think
1: they were looking out for us, for all of everyone that was there. Miigwech, Dana Goodwin. Dana Goodwin is on the Powwow Committee for the White Earth Nation. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. We just heard from the White Earth powwow that took place early March. Next, Barry Hand with the Bedote Learning Center. The mission of the Bedote Learning Center is to develop culturally aware, successful, high performing students by providing them with an academically rigorous education that is place based and rooted in native language and culture of Indigenous peoples. Here's my conversation with Barry Hand, where we chat about the school. How the community is adapting, and Barry even shares a few Dakota phrases to keep in mind as we go about our days. First of all, could you please introduce yourself for me?
2: All right, Barry Hand, So my uh, my name is Barry Hand. I live here in the St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm a father and uh, now a grandfather. I also work at the Bedote Learning Center in South Minneapolis.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so glad you're able to join me for a conversation about the Bedote Learning Center. Can you give me an overview of Bedote and who's a part of the Bedote community?
2: Well, the Bedote is a really unique situation. It's the only um, There's some dual language immersion schools in the country, um, but those schools usually teach the dominant language, which is English or, you know, uh, in other countries. But this language, this school is a dual language uh, immersion for Ojibwe Moen, the Ojibwe language, and then Dakota Api, the Dakota language. And so in the sense that you have two uh, First Nations communities that are on the same building and under the same roof, Striving to uh, breathe life back into their languages. Um, It's a very unique situation. Uh, The Bedote community consists of the greater metro. We have kids in South Minneapolis, we have kids in St. Paul, we have kids in the South Metro, we have kids uh, as far away as Blaine, Coon Rapids area. And they choose to, their families choose to send them to Bedote uh, so that their children uh, will hopefully become conversational and also help, uh, their respective languages survive and go on into the future.
1: Wonderful. And what grades are served?
2: K through eight. So we are a kindergartner, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, I'm in the middle school Dakota language program, and we have, um, again, corresponding classes. So we have K for each group and then, um, Usually most kids are have the same teacher for two, two times, kind of like a Montessori model for two years in a row. Um, kindergartner teachers, they have their kids for a year and then they go to first and second, then the third, fourth, fifth, and then finally sixth, seventh, eighth.
1: Great. And Barry, what is your role at Bedote?
2: I am the middle school Dakota language teacher. And so that's more than, I used to teach at Harding High School, Lakota language uh, there. That was actually one of the first Lakota language programs uh in the nation was at Harding High School. And uh, I went to the immersion program. But not only do we teach language, we're teaching language in an immersion environment as much as possible. So our goal is 90% immersive. Uh, but I also do social studies, current events, culture, uh, and art is what my licensure is for. So we those are my uh specialties, and I have some really wonderful uh co-teachers that work on math and science, and that's their strengths. And so that, that's my role as as, uh, as a Dakota Middle School teacher. So.
1: Great. And what's the current education mode at Bedote? Are you in, per- in person?
2: No, we are actually distance learning right now. Um, okay. So we are a public charter, and um, I think we're going to be going hybrid in the fourth quarter. And then I think, depending on you know the pandemic and how things go. Well, we play by ear for the fall. I mean, at this none of us have lived through this, so this is all learning for everyone from the top down. We're pretty lucky. We have a interim director at Bedote who is a retired administrator uh, by the name of Bill Zimnowitz, and he's been doing a phenomenal job navigating uh, the pandemic for us as educators, as school staff, and as parents. I'm also a Bedote parent, so kind of wear two hats there.
1: Very cool. Um, so how are the students doing? How is your student doing with uh, distance learning?
2: They miss each other. Um, <laughs> I bet. Teacher, it's, it's really hard. Um, as, uh, and, and having students, it's really hard. Now, I have one student at Bedote. I have a high school age and another middle school age daughter that are in other schools. And um, have, being a teacher and then having school agers at home, I want all the parents to know that we also are struggling. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you are struggling with the homework loads and things like that, and I'll be glad when we're back in person. Um, But I, you know, I, again, I'm, uh, I want us to come back in a way where everyone can be safe. So that's first and foremost. I'm, everybody's chopping at the bit as a parent Mm -hmm. and a teacher, uh, school staff, but we want to make sure that we come back and, you know, everybody can come back safely. Right.
1: And, you know, safety is, such a priority, like number one priority, you know, to keep our students safe, and then the surrounding communities. Um, so I'd like to talk a bit more about uh, the pandemic and how it's affected life and education at Bedote, because, you know, it's it's different to just simply go online, right? There's yeah. this ripple effect. I know my son um, is seven, and he did some distance learning for months, and that was so hard. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, they just want to run around and talk to each other and I, I don't know, talk about Minecraft or something. Um, what do you see as, you know, the biggest challenges for students, for you and your students?
2: So, as in an immersion environment, especially dealing with First Nations language, Ojibwe um, mm-hmm. and Dakota, the, the magic of immersion is being there. Mm-hmm. The challenge I have as a teacher is trying to say things in the language and a lot of the learning is seeing it done and then there's connections in the brain and so as you can see in the screen it's really hard to interact in an immersive environment because what happens is if you speak the language a lot of time you end up speaking at the student mm-hmm. not with the mm-hmm. student and so that's been a huge challenge our kids are like every other kids they they get bored and their, their screens go off, and next thing I know, I get an email or a call from a parent. Hey, little Johnny or little Janie, um, I'm sorry, um, they were playing Minecraft or Roblox. And so we are having the, I mean, every teacher is going through this because you can't, because what do you do as a teacher, right? Um, in the classroom, that's your space, and you, you manage your classroom space. Um, but now I have a kid in their own kitchen or their own living room, and what do you do if that kid is picking their nose or doing something inappropriate. They're in their own space, and so it's created a new challenge as a teacher. Well, how do I manage that? <laughs> so it's a when we first started, we had Google Classroom, and that was unmanageable. So we moved to Zoom, and so we can kind of manage some of those things. But it's uh it's one of those things where I think um, we'll be glad when it's over. Mm-hmm. But. We've also learned how we can reach
1: people.
2: We've learned how we can reach people in new ways. And so I think it's created some new opportunities to, so for instance, if I have have two students that live in Prairie Island Mm. that are attending Bedote. That's about an hour and 20 minute drive. Mm -hmm. um, And they're attending Bedote because of this medium that we have here. And so that's a positive. I had a student from uh, Lower Sioux, Community, and that was because of this medium. And so there has been some good things, but again, when you're when you're in an immersion envi- immersion environment, and you and you want them to pick up or get ready or go to lunch, you know that's all in the language. And you know, doing Zoom is, I think I, mean, I know I'm tired of Zoom. I, I, think, I think parents <laughs> and teachers, uh, all, every parent out there, teachers are just as tired of it as you are. Yeah.
1: Or, <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to joining. For- <laughs> To join yeah. me on zoom <laughs> uh, <laughs> i know i'm on zoom all the time but probably not as much as you
2: oh it's it's terrible yeah, i yeah. i get i have zoom fatigue <laughs> I have zoom fatigue i don't know if you get the headaches but i i i just got glasses right i was just prescribed glasses right before the pandemic and i'm so mm-hmm. glad because now when i wear my mask they fog up when i go into target you know when i wear you know and so now with the blue light in my glasses it's 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 amazing. It's an amazing experience with eye strains. So.
1: yeah, I do. I get kind. Of, I don't know if it's a headache, but it's like eye ache, just like kind of behind the yes. eye, like a dull. Like I just want to close my eyes. Like I'm still awake, but.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I, I I feel that every day.
1: Yeah, well, I was gonna. I mean, you you've touched on it. Um, you know those, um, positive points of you know being able to reach students that otherwise wouldn't be able to attend Bedote. What other encouraging things have you seen? So
2: so teaching Dakota and, and teaching Ojibwe and, uh, is very similar in the sense that we don't have a lot of uh, media out there in the language. Mm. Um, and so we are lucky enough to have um, South Dakota public television and uh, a language group put together uh, some Bernstein Bears episodes in the language, the Lakota language, and they, the kids love that. Um, However, their attention spans are short. And Bernstein Bears, I'm a Gen Xer. That's more my generation. I know they want to see their cartoons in the language versus, you know, uh, the Flintstones. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have found, uh, we have, you know, communicated with the reservation communities and mainly in the Dakotas, Eastern Dakotas, uh, Western Dakotas, as far as... um, you know videos and different opportunities um we have done some kind of some cool things like we're um, uh, professional learning communities teachers have it's called a plc meeting and so we've actually plc'd with groups from canada and the dakotas north dakota south dakota on best practices mm. and so i think zoom has allowed us to do that but when i talk to the other educators again it's the exact same struggles it's you know and it's not just attention spans it's, it's, uh, access. Mm-hmm. So if we have a family whose, whose, uh, internet is turned off, okay. Mm-hmm. Or we have a family who has a device that's broken, or we have a family that, you know, is highly mobile. Maybe, maybe they're homeless. These are, and they, and they haven't been able to access Wi-Fi. These are, these are challenges that we have to try, find solutions for.
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. And have you seen any movement on any of those issues that are popping up that you see?
2: Yes, yeah, so our Bedote has been pretty proactive um, for families that are unable to access um, uh, Wi-Fi. We we're able to get them hotspots with some of our federal funding, so they are able to kind of have. And again, I am I'm I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm not tech savvy like the youngsters are, but um, it's like mobile Wi-Fi that they can use for their devices because mm-hmm. they are issued a school iPad, and so with that hotspot, they're able to get access. So
1: great. So is there something you've learned by being an educator during the pandemic that you'd like to highlight? Maybe something about yourself or something about educating in general?
2: Yeah, I, I think the thing that I, I learned the most through this situation is uh, appreciating what you had. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you, you appreciate the time with your students, your learners. I think you appreciate... Those school relationships with your coworkers, those are hard to maintain. We're social beings, right? So we want to have that personal interaction. So I think there's an appreciation with the people that you work with and the people you work for, my Mm -hmm. students and parents. Um, And on the other side, it's also forced me to become far more um, tech savvy. Mm -hmm. I've learned some new skills that I'm going to use and continue to use when I'm in the classroom teaching. And so I value that. Yeah. But uh, I, I have a family again, three kids, school agers, all on Wi-Fi. Uh, my wife is a executive director of a local nonprofit and she's on the Wi-Fi. And so there have been crashes. So that's the other side of it. When you're a teacher and your own computer goes down, your own <laughs> Wi-Fi goes down. It's like the captain of the ship. You sink. Parents are calling, what's going on? Where's class? And I'm saying, and you know, my favorite thing, Leah, and I think that a lot of teachers can uh, commiserate with this, is right when you're getting ready to go, you got your cup of coffee, you got your lesson plan laid out for the day, and your computer decides to update. Mm,
1: yes. That's my, that's <laughs> that my favorite. Happened. It
2: happened about four or five times, and, and it's always right before I, you know, you have it turned on, you make sure everything's good, you go down, you get ready, you come back up, and it's updating. Yep. Hot How does this happen?
1: Oh, (laughs) and that's not a quick process.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know it's not. And like at at when your class is at nine o'clock and it's nine o five, where are you? Hey, uh, you know, so you reach out to your coworkers. Can you post in my Google Classroom tech difficulties? And so, so I think as a teacher, it's 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 kind of stressful because that's completely out of my hands when that happens. So it's been a journey.
1: Yeah, I bet. Um, so I see on the Bidote Facebook page that there's an online storytelling event, and I see your name listed as the MC. Can you tell me a bit about that and the significance of the event?
2: Absolutely. So uh, we have an events committee that, uh, you know, plans events during the year. And so again, mm. we're trying to, you know, during the regular school year, we'll have powwows and language bulls and, and, all kinds of wonderful things, lacrosse demonstrations. But now we're in Zoom, le- the Zoom era, um, and so we had a storytelling event. Um, our Ojibwe counterparts had one a couple weeks ago, and we had ours uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, not at the meeting, so I was told I'm the MC, master of ceremonies. Yeah. It was super, super awesome because I have an uncle who was one of the storytellers, who is a world renowned mc ayapaha in our language and that's uh uh, mr jerry dearly oh yeah yeah and so i uh and actually he's the one that got me into teaching language when he retired out of harding and um so uh i thought that was quite interesting that i got to be the mc but uh my uncle jerry he shared some amazing stories uh Mm -hmm. with kids in the community we also had dr clifford chunku who's a doctorate uh elder and well-respected language advocate from the Sistan Wapton people in in Eastern South Dakota. And then again, my aunt, uh, Carol Charging Thunder, she teaches uh, the uh, kindergarten grades and she's from Eagle Butte and the Ogallala Sioux Tribe. And so she also told stories. So it was really beautiful, you know, again, and a lot of it was in the language, but then of course, people broke out and, uh, you know, explained some of the stories to make sure that people you know, heard the stories and could understand and internalize it. But the beautiful thing was it was all in the language. The other thing in the language community, in our community, uh, we see here Lakota and Dakota. And so it's really beautiful to hear Lakota speakers and Dakota speakers just visiting, having a good time and realizing it was the same language. So it's a very beautiful thing to see that.
1: Wonderful. And you know, I, I keep hearing from you just this kind of coming together, this persistence and insistence on you know people coming together to take care of the students and to to keep those connections and and culture you know alive and well even when we're you know supposed to stay apart so that's really great to hear
2: it's really tough to be in during the pandemic isn't it <laughs> yeah. i mean it, it's terrible because everything we do is visit every everything we do is with food and coffee and multi-generational extended family. And and when that's taken away from you, you can feel a little lost. And I know I did, um, because your ex- when your extended family, I, I know the dominant societies might not be aware of this, but your extended family is as close to you as your immediate family. And so when you don't get to see them, it's it's tough. It's really mm-hmm. tough. But uh everyone I know that's been vaxxed, I've been vaxxed. Um we have some visiting sessions that last seven to eight hours and we go through about nine or 10 cup uh, pots of coffee and we're getting our visiting in now. So.
1: Excellent. So whenever I can, I like to include some language on the program.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Is there a word or a phrase or something you'd like to share that's maybe on your mind lately?
2: You know, these have been a hard times and it's, it's showed us a lot Um, as Ojibwe people, as Dakota people the First Nations people of this land here, this is a warning. This is a warning to remember that when the lights go out, life can get hard and mm-hmm. we have to appreciate one another. We have to look at our traditions. And so I would say that I would like to leave with a couple of different phrases. Mm-hmm. And the first one would be, oshikichalapo O-shiki Chalapo is like uh, pity one another, mm-hmm. but not pity in the sense of a dominant society, more of a have compassion for one another help one another, help each other because we need that. So have compassion. Mm -hmm. And also um, keep busy, keep doing stuff, keep going, Mm -hmm. don't give up. So keep busy, keep busy. That's a very powerful phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, As a cancer survivor, that that Mm -hmm. phrase kept me going. There's a, There's an elder from the Rosebud Indian Reservation, a famed author by the name of Joseph Marshall. And he, uh, that phrase kept me going through hard times. And so COVID, when COVID came, I remember, all right, we have to keep going. So those are the three phrases I think I'd like to leave here.
1: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with me uh, for COVID-19 Community Conversations. I uh, really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Leah, and God bless.
1: Take care. Bye. Yep. Barry Hand is a teacher at the Dote Learning Center. Also, Chimigwech to our earlier guests, Dana Goodwin with the White Earth Powwow, And thank you for listening today. I'm so grateful you're on this journey with me talking to all these wonderful people. Till next time, gigawabaman, and I wish you health. I'm Leah Lem. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.